You're listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, a weekly show with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today we are talking about secondary papers. Yes, these papers that you do once you're done with your primary paper and what makes a good one. So stay tuned for this discussion. And now some music. I've been working on such secondary papers for a very, very long time. And I think they are so much fun. And you can make them really extraordinary. And you can do lots of great things about it. And so stay tuned for this one. I am producing this podcast in association with PSI, community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. And this association has a special interest group, the Launch and Lifecycle Special Interest Group, that speaks a lot about these kind of things. So if you're working in the space and you're working a lot of these kind of secondary applications, then check out the six that might be really of interest for you. Head over to psiweb.org to learn more about such PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of The Effective Statistician. Today again with Benjamin. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, very well. How are you, Alexander? Very good. It's a nice spring day here. And so, yeah, good mood. Lucky you. It's a nice winter day over here. <laughs> gray, gray and windy. So, <laughs> yeah. But we are not talking about the weather today. Today we are talking about secondary papers. First, maybe just to talk about what actually is a secondary paper. So, yeah, uh, yeah today, you know, actually today I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very interested in in, uh, in the topic as well because to be to be honest, I've never come across a secondary paper myself. So it's quite an interesting. Topic, so it's kind of I, I'll try to interview you, Alexander. <laughs> my, you know, from my side, like working as CRO for for my whole working life, it's you know we I supported quite a bit of publications in the past, but this has been not on secondary papers. So this has been primarily on primary papers, meaning that for the, for the original contents of it. So actually, yeah. So my 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 question, maybe I can make a start in asking you. What actually is a secondary paper, Alexander? <laughs> so the, the typical primary paper yeah, com, uh, contains all the primary analysis, you know, the primary endpoint analysis, uh, the key secondaries, the safety analysis, so the key facts. And it really contains all these kind of typical, most important pre-specified analysis. And so that paper, of course, kind of writes largely itself. Maybe, you know, medical writers would disagree, but, but content-wise, it's largely written by itself based on the pre-specified analysis. Yeah, you have lots of the content already in the protocol or in the study report. 
And of course, it always needs a little bit of fine tuning here and there. And there's, of course, always the typical things that will come from external authors in terms of additional questions and from the peer review process, you will have additional things. But, but largely, kind of, it is, you know, why you did the study in the first place. Yeah, so it's the key topics why you did the study. When I, when I just think about the, the process and how, how the analysis at the end is developed, it usually starts with the protocol, obviously. So where you, you say why, why we have a, what is more the focus than on the primary paper. So, but when it gets to SAP writing, for example, isn't it mm -hmm. that there's already like a lot of ideas being added? So if it's reviewed by other parties, usually uh, just remember like you know, subgroups or mass and, you know, other things yes. just, just out of interest. Uh, which are usually at least mentioned in the clinical study report as well, but not dived into. So is this then more the typical context context yeah. of the of the secondary paper? Yes, that is very often where secondary papers start. And of course, you know, depending on the study, you might have many, many different secondary papers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So imagine you have, let's say, a three-year study, yeah, that runs over three years. But your primary analysis is maybe after three months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, everything that comes after this first readout, you know, are all kind of secondary papers. Yeah. Or you maybe you have a, you're working in a disease area where there's lots of different questionnaires and assessments done. Yeah. And it's far too much to put all into one paper. Yeah, so you focus your primary paper on the most important ones, and there's still lots of data available for, for secondary papers. Or as you said, you know, there might be specific subgroups that are of interest, or there might be specific topics, yeah, like there's maybe a specific uh, safety aspect that you want to dive deeper into, mm. or there is maybe you want to speak specifically about, let's say, how fast the drug works, yeah? Mm -hmm. Or you want to explore further into certain endpoints, like maybe, you know, you have a specific endpoint that you have first used after it got validated in the study, and you want to kind of dive deeper into these kind of things. So there's... You know, depending on the disease areas, there may be many, many, many different. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that the idea is written down prior to the to the analysis. It's also things that you do afterwards, like ad hoc yeah. Um, yeah. ideas to brainstorm together with others and then find out interesting findings in, uh, in the results, etc. Yeah, usually it's kind of a combination of certain analysis that you already have done. Yeah, mm -hmm. usually you have already some kind of summary statistics or kind of, you know, overall analysis, but not specifically all the analysis that you need. Yeah, mm -hmm. so there is usually much more kind of going backwards and forwards from it. Also, kind of ideas come from all kind of different places during the strategic publication planning. Yeah, maybe there's a... And that idea coming from, oh, we would like to have this specific subgroup a paper about because that is a subgroup uh, that is important for reimbursement. Yeah? 
Or maybe there's a question, like I said, about a specific side effect that is coming up. Um, don't know, something that you haven't expected, like maybe there's some kind of skin side effect and you want to dive deeper into it, kind of, you know, what are the patients that are mostly affected? When does it happen? How is it treated? What kind of co-medications do these patients have? All kind of different things that you could, you know, mm. never put into a primary paper, yeah, just to the sheer volume of all the different analysis and that you put in a specific one, yeah. And so that's, that's for often kind of content for uh, these typical secondary papers. So, I mean, or even when brainstorming about where, where this comes from, it, it's quite obvious that the approach that we have in, in you know, working and deriving like a primary paper doesn't work. So, yeah. um, I mean, you know, consorts, why, why is that not fitting? In, in well, consort is, for those who don't know, is basically a guideline for how to report papers. And it's really targeted towards these primary papers. Yeah, it talks about all the, you know, mention all the pre-specified endpoints and all these kind of different things. You need to talk about sample size and all these different things. Yeah. This is not so relevant for a secondary endpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can, a secondary paper, you can very easily refer to lots of the content, yeah, to the primary paper. Yeah, you don't need to rewrite the complete, you know, study description and everything. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of stuff that you can just cite and say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also refer to the primary paper. Really refer to the primary paper. Yeah, that's why it's sometimes a little bit tricky to submit these when the primary paper is not yet published. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So, but then at least maybe you can cite a, a poster or you know, cite clinicaltrials.gov or cite something else yeah? mm. Where, so that you don't need to you know, have too much space wasted for describing lots of stuff that is actually not so relevant to this paper. Yeah? But I mean... If you, if you design a study and you have like a primary, the primary idea behind it and putting this in a primary paper, I mean, I know that there must be a lot of like an audience waiting for it um, for whatever reason. I mean, it could be, you know, the success of a drug could be submission whatsoever. So what is then the, you know, what is the challenge then in actually writing a secondary paper? And if, if it's not as obvious and pre-planned as, um, as we have for the primary endpoints or the, the key endpoints. Yeah. So the, the first challenge is to develop a really good story. Yeah. So for the primary paper, it's, it's easy because the story is already basically the story of the study itself. Yeah, it's yeah. written in the protocol, why you need the study and all these kind of different things. Yeah, so it's pretty straightforward. But here you need to write, you know, come up with a, with a new story. Yeah, let's say you want to speak about how fast your drug works. Yeah, and then you can talk about it in terms of, okay, what does that mean for the patient? Yeah, what does it mean for the physician? if the drug works fast rather than slow. Yeah? Mm. And what kind of additional benefits will that have? 
And then you can further expand on the story. Okay, okay. So, and we can see with this new treatment that you know it's specifically fast. That also uh, reflects on you know I don't know maybe less dropouts due to lack of efficacy. It leads to you know better overall symptom response over the first couple of months or whatsoever. And uh, then conclude kind of uh, this is a specific feature of this new treatment and then you can compare it to other existing compounds yeah and say it's better than you know it looks better than this one and that one puts out the usual strengths and limitations and then you have your paper yeah and that then helps you to answer a specific question that's, uh, that you have. I think that the challenge really starts if this is like an unexpected or maybe like a controversial story then to the to the overall, you know, to the primary paper or like the overall protocol. So uh, did that happen to you that you basically found out that this is your secondary paper was suddenly like a, I wouldn't say like, like not a success, but something that completely unexpected? Both. Yeah. So, so sometimes you can, you know, anticipate quite a lot. Mm. Yeah. Like, the topics that I mentioned with the patient reported outcome that is used the first time. Yeah. yeah. So you know that this will be an interesting topic. Yeah. From a scientific perspective, it will also be an interesting topic from a reimbursement perspective to have, you know, sufficient data to show that, you know, that actually, you know, is a valid endpoint, these kind of things. So these are kind of, you know, pretty, you can pretty well define such kind of things. But there's others like, you know, with the side effect, yeah, that you haven't thought so much about, yeah. And now this becomes much more of a topic and you need to dig deeper into it. Mm -hmm. The key here is also for these kind of, let's say, more difficult ones, you need to make sure that they are aligned to your overall strategy. Mm. Yeah. So in terms of overall strategy, see, if you do good strategic publication planning, that follows strategies that is based on the overall compound strategy. Yeah. Mm. And this compound strategy speaks about what is what are the key differentiators of this new treatment? What are the key patient populations you want to go for? What are the key aspects you want to highlight? What are, you know, specific differences versus the competition? What are needs that you need to have from, that you have from a reimbursement, from a marketing perspective, from a regulatory perspective? All these things are kind of part of the overall strategy. Yeah? And then, of course, you need to make sure that your papers align with this overall strategy. Yeah. And you first work on all the things that help support this overall strategy. Yeah. So if, for example, is speed of onset is important, then well, don't shift that to, you know, the tense paper. Have it early on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. These kind of things. It's also that you're you're kind of consistent in terms of how you phrase things across different papers. Yeah. So say, for example, your terminology you use in the in the primary paper and in the secondary paper is consistent, consistent to some extent. Yeah. yeah. 
But that is that might be tricky. I mean, in terms of keeping an eye on this, because often there are many parties involved, and this might be taken back to, let's say, academic centers or you know companies or different groups within the company because of the focus of it. So, so that is something. Then they're working in parallel. Maybe, maybe they're involving you, maybe not. So there's, this is indeed like a challenge if you don't have the overall yeah, control about, you know, over, over the terminations, over the stories, over, especially also over the frequency or maybe the, the order of when things being published and, and where. Because yeah. sometimes it's more like a statistical side. Sometimes it's more like a, you know, oncology paper or publication. So whatever it is, it's... Yeah. yeah, but you know, I, I mean, one of the main things, for example, is that you're consistent in terms of certain definitions, for example. Yeah, so you shouldn't have in in one paper, let's say, 151 patients that you're analyzing, and in the next one, 149. Yeah. Yep. Uh, or you have, you know, you look into kind of a certain group of side effects, and you. You know, you define them based on certain, I don't know, SOCs or PTs or whatsoever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have one setup in one paper and a different setup in the other paper, but you call it the same. Yeah. Yep. These kind of things, you know, there you need to be consistent. Yeah. But oh, of I course, in terms of other things, you need to be flexible. Yeah. 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 But also, you know, it could be consistent or could be that you very well explain this. Yeah. In, in the paper, what, what you did. So why the number changed? Yeah. So I know that I have been through these discussions where, you know, not, not, not for the papers, but for, for the decision of maybe how to group yeah. um, adverse events of interest, of special interest. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a wide range. Some people say, well, yes, you take this PT in combination with the onset of, of the adverse event and others say, well, <laughs> only if it's like this. And then, so that's, yeah. that's kind of, yeah, it's yeah. a very, very strong, but that, that's why it's probably, it's very important to have, especially the statistician looking over this and make sure that there's a consistency throughout the, uh, the different papers. Um, yeah. But we are kind of, you know, these, let's say not trial specific, but maybe compound specific analysis plans mm. come into place. Yeah, so that you have certain definitions really consistent across all the different studies, across all the different publications and things like this. Yeah, but then that requires that the authors read the SAP. Well, it requires collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> that is that. Well, and and I I know that's you know it's easier said than done. Yeah. Uh, especially if if there's you know big organizations and you know lots of different departments that not not necessarily work easily together. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and also if like I again I know this from medics. Like if they have a long history of defining things differently than you do in the company. Oh uh, yeah, you know, and then they they run and they drive. It's their key population. Uh, it's their key publication. You know, they may or may not agree to the SEP. Right. So yeah, and that is that is a really important thing. Yeah, uh, working with the co-authors, yeah, especially the ones that are outside of the company, is really really crucial here. Yeah, it's very important to have. You know, let's say you have five external co-authors. 
Yeah, it's very important to have kind of a strategy for how you work with them. Yeah, uh, one could be, for example, that the five get some kind of hierarchy and they agree among each other. Yeah, who is the who's the primary co-author, kind of you know the lead co-author, and takes responsible for all the different things. And then kind of also in terms of doubt makes the decisions. Yeah. Because otherwise you can get lots of kind of conflicting feedback and never get it resolved. But yeah. if you have five papers and five different authors while the others are co-authors and everyone is the, the yeah. primary author is then taking the decisions, you have five different definitions. So <laughs> it, that's, that's a yeah, yeah. But, but then yeah, that's so, where kind of the flexibility comes into place. Yeah. yeah. So if you absolutely there's a need for kind of different things, then at least highlight it. Yeah. That you said, okay, here we define skin irritations in this way. And in this other paper, we have to find it in a different way, whatsoever. Yeah. So, or here do we, we think about pre-treatment specifically in terms of all these. And in some other paper, you know, for whatever reason, you have pre-treatment defined in other ways. Yeah? yeah. And of course, there's always, you know, certain reasons for these, but you need to be at least then transparent with these. Okay, well, now we kind of talked a lot about what the differences are and, and maybe the challenges, especially in the planning. But what actually are maybe ideas of what to consider when you actually write the secondary paper? So is there any guideline? Is there anything that you can or that you learned what was a good, good way to, to apply? So one of the structures that I often use And that has helped quite a lot is the three times three structure. Okay. What's And that? it's, you basically have three points that you want to bring across in your, in your paper. And you mentioned these three times. In the introduction, you say, we will talk about A, B, and C. Then in the results, you show here's A, B, and C. And the discussion you said, and to summarize, this paper shows A, B, and C. Yeah? And that's a really, really nice and easy structure that mm. helps you to focus the paper. Yeah? There's, when you do presentations, for example, there's very often kind of the rule of three. Yeah? Bring three key takeaways. Yeah? Mention three ideas whatsoever. This, in all kinds of different stories, there's always the three. Yeah? Yep. There's the three nephews of Donald Duck. It's not two or four, it's three. Yeah? <laughs> and in the same way, you can use your paper. And that helps you to structure it very well. Yeah, and I think it's also easier to, easier to read. Yes. You know, because I, I remember reading papers and at the end you just ask, so what, what actually was shown here? So it's kind of a... Uh, it's a data me, but it's probably also <laughs> volume. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any uh, no, that's that's a good and I think three is kind of a magic number here as well, because three is something which you can probably repeat yourself. I mean it's it's easy to get three things and you keep it and you memorize it. And you know, if if you're less than that, it's probably you know it's you need to put in more emphasis into into the two items. So yeah. three is something like a number to take away. 
And then when it, when it gets higher than three, it's probably, it's difficult because then what, what is the message? It's too split apart. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, three is a good number for this. Yeah. yeah. If you have, and please remember these 13 points. <laughs> yeah. That's always also why we have three letter acronyms usually. Mm. Yeah. So the other really important thing about it is good graphics are really important. Yeah. So having, again, here, three graphics that support your three main results is, uh, is nice. And graphics are especially important because you want to stand out from the crowd. You want to bring your message across very crisp and fast. And these uh, visualizations that you put into the paper will, you know, carry forward quite a lot beyond the paper. So, and you can actually, you know, take them from, let's say, earlier posters that you did. Yeah, because very often uh, the secondary paper will have, you know, associated posters with it. And so for the poster, if you have a really good, you know, data visualization, that helps you to get your message across very, very fast. Same way, you know, you can adapt it then for the paper. And then thereafter, these papers are then used for, for presentations. Yeah. Yep by speakers at all different conferences, uh, at internal events. They will be part of, let's say, HTA submissions. They will become part of promotional material. And the better you make your data visualization in, the, in this paper, the more likely all the other subsequent data visualizations or adaptions of it will also be right. Yeah. Well, I think this, this is a point which is, probably not only true for secondary papers, but it has, yes. but it actually has a more, it's more important actually than in primary, than for primary papers, simply because, you know, what we mentioned before is that the, the interest for primary paper is higher even before you start. So yeah. that is, that is something that there's this, you know, require that people are waiting for to, to get the message from the primary. So that's, but they have been prepared very nicely yeah. with, through protocol, SAP, whatsoever. So the whole story of the, of the study so, but when it gets to the secondary paper, you have to have something which is eye-catching, right? So which is something putting the, the interest even more because you have to create the interest more than for a primary paper. And that's why, even though the good graphics is always important, the, you know, I mean, the importance is even higher for secondary paper. Yeah. And often the concepts are not as easy as for the primary paper. Yeah. yeah? So let's say in the primary paper, it's very often about just a treatment difference, mm. yeah? But if you want to display kind of how, for example, AEs develop over time, that's a much more kind of trickier thing to have a look into. Or if you want to look into lots of different subgroups, that's a trickier thing. Mm. Yeah? So invest more time in these kind of things to, to make it very, very crisp. Yeah, and actually that brings, brings me to another point is that I mean, as I said, it's if you, you know, work on treatment groups and you plan the whole study on, you know, comparing A versus B, you know, you can, you know, your result is a p-value and it's, it's good or not good. But that probably means that for secondary papers, you're often not successful in using just standard analysis that you pre-plan because there yes. isn't often nothing pre-planned. Yes. So that is the other nice thing about it. Yeah. So whereas your primary paper is often very much 
driven by regulatory needs. Yeah. Mm. You have for the secondary paper, you have much more freedom. So you can use more advanced things like, for example, doing, you know, different machine learning algorithms. Yeah. Don't know. Maybe you want to understand what is, what are the patients that respond best? Yeah. Mm. And you can do lots of different things around this. Or you want to understand, are there certain patterns in the data? Yeah. And do, let's say, cluster analysis or other uh, unsupervised learning techniques. Or you uh, want to understand kind of, are there certain, you know, underlying concepts in your PRO? Yeah. And you do some kind of latent class analysis. There's lots of really interesting things you can do here. And that's a little bit the, also the fun part about these papers. And my experience is these more interesting analysis, as well as the really, really nice graphics, help you to get it easier published. Yeah? Once a medical writer told me that she really loves to work with me on the papers because it's much easier from the submission process to, to the journals. Yeah? Instead of you know, having this kind of ping pong to the journal, getting rejected, sending to the next journal, getting rejected again, sending to the next journal, you know, and over the period have lots of kind of backwards and forwards and peer review comments and, and so on. Yeah? You get it faster accepted. And that is, of course, really important, not just from a timing perspective, and from a workload perspective, but also first you usually target the higher ranked journals. Yeah. yeah. And then you go to the lower impact factor ones. And so it also helps you to have this, you know, higher, so to say, credibility of the papers. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, let's see. That's why I never I haven't I haven't gone through the process yet. So that's why I was always <laughs> Well, what about you know any other any other thoughts? I mean, we touched we touched the um, the combination with let's say posters and for, you know upcoming publications, presentations, and uh, what else would you would you recommend to consider and think about before or while writing like a secondary paper? Any other cross connection? One of the things is that um, all these papers are now primarily used electronically yeah mm. so and with these electronic versions there are a couple of additional features that you can take into account of course that is also for the primary paper but i think especially for secondary papers that is uh, makes it really nice you have the electronic appendices where you can put additional data that you know doesn't fit into the original paper things like you know additional sensitivity analysis maybe even things like additional data visualizations yeah animations videos all kind of different things yeah lots of journals are going in that direction that say maybe allow something like a short presentation to be attached to it yeah someone that's the primary author talks for five minutes about the paper in this presentation, yeah? And so these kind of things can help you to make the publication more beneficial overall, more impactful overall. 
and everything that is in there is then also published, and then you can use it for further uh, further efforts, like in promotional material, in HTA submissions. Of course, that always depends on the local regulations, but uh, there's a lot of benefits to having things published. Yeah, I think that is that is a good point because you know old school paper PDFs, simple way, it's you know it changed, and meaning that this advantage of electronic papers is is just something you need to consider for any yeah. paper, but yeah. And you also, you know, I've seen kind of interactive data visualizations in these, mm. yeah? So that you can check, okay, let's say, especially when you show want to show lots of different subgroups or things like that, yeah? Having something that is interactive is really, really nice. Or you have these more complex graphics, yeah, that you can have kind of a video that explains these kind of things. In a, mm. in a better way. It also helps with being really transparent about all your data. Yeah. And therefore, it helps to build trust. So these are a couple of additional considerations to have for the paper. No, makes sense. Any other advice? Anything else? I, I think one of, the, one of the main things is be very clear and crisp about what is your paper about and what is not your paper about, yeah? I've seen lots of discussions going in circles because you weren't really crisp and clear about what is in the paper and what is outside of the paper, yeah? Managing these expectations among all the different authors uh, in the study team and the compound team is, is really important, yeah? Not just have um, these kind of titles, oh, this is a paper about functioning, Yeah, or this is a paper about uh, safety, or this is a paper about rapid onset, whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. things yeah. like where you can have thousands of different ideas about it, and then you go in circles. Yeah, mm. because you know, somewhat, you know, all the different people had different expectations about it, and that can delay the process quite a lot and can lead to lots of lots of frustration. So having a very, very crisp and clear plan at the beginning that is agreed by everybody helps a lot to move easy through the overall process and also to get to a good result early on. Yeah, so, so, and then, of course, there, there it comes back to the overall strategic planning. Yeah, so that you have other papers where you can put all the different other ideas. Yeah. So, People will always come up with, oh, this is a nice additional thing. Yeah. If you have a good publication plan, then you can say, yeah, but this is covered somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying, I mean, it's how it makes sense. Right. So, but what is the, the role of a statistician there? The role of the statistician is working together with the medical writers, the physician, uh, the other people to get to this crisp definition but also to come up with good ideas. Yeah? If, you have, if you see there's an opportunity here, it's a very, very nice feature of, the, of our data that makes our drug stand out from the crowd. And we can best show it that way yeah? through these analysis, these graphics, kind of yeah? bring these ideas forward. Mm. Statisticians, if they see themselves as drug developers, being statisticians and not statisticians that are kind of 
just this that's functional representative on the team, then you know you have the ability to to really influence things and drive things and make sure that you have a consistent overall story. Yeah. No, no, I no, I fully agree. It is just that I think that is the challenge. Yeah. Right. Because you know, we we think, I mean, not number crunchers, but at least it's kind of where, where we come from originally, saying that is, but the function of a statistician is much more than that. It's more it's the interlinking and and I mean it it sounds a little bit like you know we are talking now for statisticians, primarily statisticians about you know writing papers. Actually, we are we are usually not writing papers. So we're working together with somebody who mathematical writing and medics, and so that's kind of a combination of all. It is it's more it's more the the mindset. Well, you know what we what we kind of agree upon is that the you know all the facts or all the the advices that that you just gave in terms of you know three yeah. times three rule etc. So that is something we should keep in mind and bring in, even though we are not necessarily, you know, being the primary author of the study. Really, the input that where we need to kind of work with with a whole group of, and, and now it gets back to the communication and the argumentation, and you know, bringing you know, for things to be the topics we touched before in our in our podcasts, so coming in and bringing it all together. So it's I think it's it's a challenge. It's a it's a challenge, especially this is as this is not the like our you know, our key responsibility in writing the paper, giving input, yes, writing paper. Actually, you know, in terms of writing the papers, there's, there's a couple of different ways you can do this. Mm. What I found really helpful is if you have the medical writer, the main physician and the statistician together in a room and you outline your paper, you know, you have kind of, you don't need to have full sentences there, yeah? But at least you have kind of bullet points. What are kind of the key things that we want to say here, here, here? Uh, here we take kind of this, you know, the, the typical description from the protocol. Here we add this kind of data visualization. Here goes the stats part that is written by, you know, you. Here goes the uh, kind of, here's the key conclusions that we want to have. Let's have a couple of uh, bullet points for the strengths and limitations. And if you have that outline done together, and then kind of just the formulating nice sentences is done by the medical writer, you have uh, you really write the paper together. Yeah? Instead of you know just throwing over the analysis to someone and then get them to plug them together in some shape or form for you to then critique it. I think the putting more effort at the beginning helps a lot to save time later on. As always, probably. As <laughs> usual. Yeah. 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 Good planning is everything. <laughs> Not necessarily that the plan always works out, you know. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, you know, you see something that, well, there's some data aspect that you need to put some kind of additional thoughts on it or there's kind of additional challenges from uh, co-authors or there's, you know, peer review comments, of course, always, mm. always. <laughs> well, nearly always. There's one paper that my team submitted that went through without a single comment was directly it, accepted. It probably just oversaw it. In 20 years. <laughs> <One>. <laughs> 
Okay, so we have talked now for quite a long time about secondary papers. And just let me summarize a couple of things of it. Secondary papers are really important, but they are very specific and different from the primary papers. As you, yeah, don't just have the typical consort following paper. You need to be very, very crisp and clear about the, the stories that you want to tell. And we mentioned this three times three rule that I think is, is really nice to uh, structure your content. And that, you know, it leaves you with freedom to do some amazing things in terms of data analysis, in terms of data visualization, and can be quite a lot of fun to write these papers. I've written dozens of these. Uh, I think I stopped counting beyond 70. So you can actually boost your CV quite nicely with it. Thanks so much. Very good. Have a good day. Have a nice day and talk to you soon. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain and Casey who helped with the show in the background. And thank you for listening. Reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.